because I love this section of scripture so much. Uh, a couple years ago, I spent a long time in the book of Ephesians, and uh, this prayer and also the prayer in chapter one, I think I just sat and kept coming back over and over again because it was just so rich and so good, and uh, I enjoyed talking about it, and it kind of helps that uh, there are people to listen, so that's, that's also helpful, <laughs> not just to myself while I'm, man, that's really good, yeah, I know, um, but yeah, so we're going to be uh, in Ephesians chapter 3, and uh, I'm actually going to read the uh, entire chapter just because it's so good, and we want the context, so uh, Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 1. It says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight to the mystery of Christ, Christ, which was made known to the sons of men and other which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. All of this gospel has made a minister according to, the, according to the gift of God's grace, which is given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to, to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory... He may grant you to be strengthened with the power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him, who was able to do far more abundantly then all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank You for tonight. We thank You for Your Word. We pray, Father, that You would sanctify Your people. And Lord, uh, you sanctify Your people in truth. Your Word is truth, Lord. Send us Your Spirit. Open our eyes that we may behold Your glory and become imitators of Christ. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so we see uh, we left off. Uh, Dave finished verse 16 and 17. It says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love. So the first section here, he says, the first part of the sentence, he says, So that. This is reference to before, the section right before that Dave covered. Primarily, primarily what he has in mind is uh, that uh, you may be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being. That's primarily what he's saying, so that. Because the spirit, uh, the, the Holy Spirit, is, he's praying for that strength that comes from him, that power that comes from him uh, to strengthen our inner being. 
this is a parallel to that, not necessarily a reaction to it. So when he says, so that, it's not because of the thing before. He's saying, so that, in the sense of, these two are the same thing. He's saying, to be strengthened with the power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being is equal to Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He's saying these two things are synonymous with one another. If Christ is in, is in you and strengthening your inner being, or if the Spirit is in, strengthening your inner being, then Christ is dwelling in you through faith. And this, we know, is because this is the primary work of the Holy Spirit, is to point to Jesus. So if you, go to, if you hold your section, we're going to be in John somewhat tonight, because John just kind of really highlights everything that he's saying in Ephesians. So John chapter 14, just you can go there. I'm going to read it, or you can stay, you know, your choice. Uh, 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. John 15, 26, 14, 26, now 15, 26, he says, in that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say... Well, no, no, that's 16. 15, 26, sorry. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. John 16, 13 through 30, 13 and 14. He says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Here, all throughout John, just in the short, short few chapters, what are you saying? The Holy Spirit's coming, and what is the Holy Spirit going to do? He's going to point to me. He's going to let you see my glory. He's going to teach you the things that I taught you. This is the Holy Spirit's job, is to take our eyes and point us back to Jesus. So when Paul says, that you, he prays that we be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being, that if we've read this section of John, that would make sense that that means that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That is the job of the Holy Spirit when he's strengthening us, when he's helping us to fight sin, to have, uh, strengthen our faith, these things. The culmination is that, that the spirit is moving. Why? That Christ may dwell in us. That our, that our unity with Christ is being strengthened through faith. And so, and he continues this thought um, where he says that you, he says, that you being rooted and grounded in love, this is the end of verse 17, this is the result phrase. So if the sections before was kind of this prayer that Paul's going through, uh, Christ may dwell is parallel the result of the answer of this prayer would come to that we would be rooted and grounded in love. Because of the strengthening in Christ's dwelling, love, as one commentator said, love is the soil in which believers are rooted and will grow, the foundation upon which they are built. Here, the agape, the word for love, is the love of God revealed in Christ and poured into his people's hearts by the Spirit. Here, he's given us a picture, an imagery of if this prayer is answered, it will result in our Christian lives being like seeds planted in the soil. The soil of uh, the, stre- the strength that comes from the Spirit and Christ dwelling in us, it will be like being planted in a soil of love. 
That's, he's trying to give us a picture. Or the other, if that doesn't work, he gives you another picture, right? It's, it's being grounded in love. It's, he's laying a foundation. Why lay a foundation? So that you can build on top of it. Why have soil? So you can plant a seed so that what would happen? That it would grow and bear fruit. He's given us an illustration. This is why he's praying, so that something may come out of it. But it's the foundation. You, you can't have plants without soil. Which I think there's some special uh, Aspen Oliver. He loves plants. But, but a, a building, right? If you're trying to build a building without a foundation, I haven't. I haven't built anything. But I heard it can go terribly wrong, and it's pretty much impossible. Jesus has a parable. This is about as far as I know about architecture. Don't build houses on sand. Terrible things will happen. But here he's saying, here's a foundation. This is solid ground. It will be rooted in love. Love that comes from the Father through the Son. The love of God is going to be our foundation in which everything else we are going to build on top of. And he keeps on going here. He says, with this prayer, he says, why? Why this? Why so the results of the one prayer is the rooted and grounded in love. So for what reason? That here, there's more. This, this keeps coming. Building this prayer is building on top of each request. He says, "May have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and depth." This is a very interesting section because he doesn't actually give you an object to the dimensions. So our best scholarly scholarly guess is that he's referring to the love of God. Some will say uh, the power of God, uh, the faithfulness of God. Most scholars, and the one I, one of the ones I trust says, it's the love of God. One, because of the context of the section, because he says being rooted and grounded in love. And then the following verse, he says what? And to know the love of Christ. It seems to be this whole entire section is referring primarily to Christ's love. That the power and that Christ dwelling in you will all be culminating in the love of God. And here, he was trying to get his, try, he's, his prayer is, is crazy. He's saying, I want you to have strength to comprehend something, right? Isn't that interesting, right? Have you ever thought to comprehend something required strength from you? And what he's saying is, you are not capable in yourself. You need strength to comprehend how high his love is, how other dimensions, long breath, I think that's what breath is. But what he's saying here is, he goes, he's trying to paint a picture in your mind, right? If God's love was a, a wall or a building, how high would it be? How deep would it be? How, try to, you see how vast it is before you. You are not capable in yourself to try to comprehend a thing like that. His love is so big and so glorious, good luck. You'll be digging and digging and digging and digging for eternity, and you will never hit the bottom. That's how vast his love is. And he, he, this, but this picture, what he's trying to do here is, one, tell us we're not strong enough, but two, when he starts bringing on these images, he's kind of it seems like Paul is transitioning, if he hasn't already, probably been doing this the whole time, but he's transitioning from you thinking to, you, to, your, to your heart thinking, not just your mind trying to comprehend it. He wants your heart to try to comprehend this, right? And I think that's something, 
which kind of, what he's trying to do, it's, it's hard to put words to. It's, it's tall, it's long, it's, he's trying to paint a picture for your heart to try to understand this. Trying, trying to get your heart to wrap around how great and vast his love is. Not just you, not you intellectually understand it, comprehend it. He wants your heart to comprehend it. He wants you to experience it fully and completely. And so this poetic imagery is to stretch our hearts. And he doesn't want it just for uh, uh, the Gentiles in Ephesus. He says here it's, it's what all the saints, right? It says may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and depth. This seems to be what he's saying. Is he's now making known that this prayer is what all the saints will do. And this is all the saints' destiny. He wants these Gentile believers in Ephesus to experience what one day we will experience fully. And this is where he kinda, he's kind of bringing this train of thought, this ability, this strength to comprehend with all the saints as to this point here. He says, he keeps on, he's adding on to the sentence, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Here he seems to once again be paralleling the section before. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, he's pretty much saying that is equal to having the strength to comprehend the saints was the breadth, the height, uh, the length, the height, and the depth. This, he's saying, uh, he wants us to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. What a paradox. To know the thing that surpasses knowledge. I wonder if, <laughs> I don't know if y'all caught that. I want you to know something that, comp- that goes past knowledge. Okay, I'll try. Uh, <laughs> good luck. Uh, but, but what he isn't asking in this prayer is that the Ephesians would love God more. That's not what he's asking. He's asking that they would understand Christ's love for them. Obviously, we know he, he wants us to love Christ more, but that's not primarily his prayer. He wants us to be able to comprehend what God's love for us. Amazing. Paul wants them not to have an intellectual knowledge of this love. He wants them to have an experiential knowledge. Right? And I think this imagery, uh, this idea of experiential knowledge I've read the Iliad, and I've, uh, I've read a textbook, and I've seen Saving Private Ryan. That's my knowledge of war. But then you have someone who's experienced war. They're not, the knowledge, when you list out information, it may look similar, but the knowledge is different. Right? They've ex- they have experiential knowledge. They've felt it deep in their chest. They know that love. And that's what Paul is trying to get is, I want you to know love like this. This, is, this prayer is it's just building and it's coming to a climax here. Here is the grand ending to this prayer. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I don't know if you call it that. His prayer is that we, that the, the Gentile Ephesians and us, will be filled with all the fullness of God, because since we are part of all the saints. 
this is a bold prayer, to say the least. I mean, <laughs> you feel, all right, let's see, let's see if we can do this. Uh, good luck. Uh, what seems to be happening here is the point that is Paul's whole prayer, right? Verse 14, all they hear is coming to a close that we be filled with the fullness of God. And this is where I think he's saying it, what he's, not, he's not, what he's saying is the point of all creation. Have you ever asked, why did God create anything at all when he could have created nothing? Why did God allow sin? Why did Christ come? Why did Christ die? Why did Christ raise from the dead? Why did Christ ascend and sit down at the Father's right hand? Why the sending of the Spirit? The reason is that we may be filled with the fullness of God. Before creation, there was God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They perfectly knew, perfectly enjoyed, and perfectly loved each other. Father, Son, and Spirit, right? The image given, uh, especially in John 1 of uh, the Son, right, in the prologue, is, is that they had a face, the only glory of the Son from the Father is that there was a, he said, from the Father's side, there's this idea that they were staring face to face, that they were looking into each other. And there was complete joy, complete love, perfect fulfillment. This is what was before creation. And here is God's plan. That in this face-to-face relationship that they have, they opened up and are allowing us to come in. This is the grand scheme of all creation. That God's perfect relationship they have opened the door for us to join in the view. This entering in this is special. For us, for us to enter, we must become like God, as much as created beings can be. We will be like Christ. We will have a body like his. We will have desires like him. We will have his ability to comprehend. We will have his capacity for joy. Have you noticed that much, many of the promises given to us in the New Testament is what Christ already has? In Revelation, what does it say? He, he will give authority, Christ says to us. He gives the same authority that the Father has given to me. He will give to us in Revelation for those who conquer. He will say he will, for those who conquer, he will grant to sit down on the Father's throne. How can that be? How can we sit on the Father's throne in glory? We are to be sons, Ephesians 1 says. Like the son, we are to be sons, family. We are to have an inheritance in God himself, which Christ already has. And if you, if you go to John 17, the high priestly prayer, it's uh, verse 20 through 26. You can turn there. I'm going to read it. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, 
so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that also, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these that you have sent me, I may know to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Right? This is the hyper prayer. That the culmination of all creation. Why do he allow everything that, that we all may be one? All right, this is special. If you haven't caught this, this is very special. Here are some reasons why this is special. Number one, why this is special, we are made from dust. And that dust came from a literal nothing. God spoke the dust into existence, and then he formed us in dust. These creatures that are formed of dust are, are going to be able to share in this. That's amazing in itself. Two, we were dust that rebelled and committed treason against a holy, infinite being that was our creator. So not only is he opening the door for this relationship, who is he opening the door to? His creation that rebelled against him. Not only that, this could only happen through the life, death, and resurrection of the Son of God. That face-to-face relationship, they opened the door, though it meant the death of the Son of God. Not only a physical death, but taking on spiritual death, this wrath of God for us. By grace, through faith, we have become united with God. This is their definition of salvation. Justification, sanctification, glorification is that we are saved from sin to God through Christ, by grace, through faith. And by this, we are dead to sin. It's not only that we are, we've died to those past things, it's what do we have? We also get all the benefits of the resurrection. What are the benefits of the resurrection? So that we could behold the face of God. We could behold God face to face. In the next chapters, 4 through 6, Paul will think through the effects of this. This is, if this is what we are going to, then this has a direct effect on where we are now. And often what we do is, which is, it's not bad, this is a good thing, our motivation for living now is often he died for us and what he has, what he has already done for us in the death and resurrection. But also our motivation should be, where are we going? We, we are going to be with him. We are going to have that face-to-face relationship. We're going to have a body like his, desire like his, joy. We will be complete and fulfilled in him, in that face-to-face communion. So someone asked me one day, if we are going to be sinless in heaven, why put in effort now to kill sin if it's just going to happen when we die? This is the same as me asking me, why eat a bowl of ice cream now if you're going to an all-you-can-eat buffet of ice cream later. You don't just get rid of the good now because you're going to get good later. To kill sin and become closer and closer and closer to Jesus on earth, 
it's, it's like, oh, why would I want to be closer to Jesus if I'm going to be perfectly close with Jesus later? That makes no sense whatsoever. And I think for us, we see a lot of times it's our walk with Jesus and our fight with him as a labor. And it is because we're on earth and there's this pain. But at the same time, it's joy. It's, it's peace and fulfillment in Christ. And to be in Christ is to be apart from sin as well. Friends, to be saved from sin is also, being saved from sin is to be united to God. It's something that we are doing now, and that is what's going to bring, and that is what brings us satisfaction, peace, fulfillment, and joy, is that relationship with God. And I think right now, studying through John, uh, as we go through our, our study, our college Bible study, just that seems to be the emphasis that John keeps reiterating over and over again. As I'm teaching it, and then I hear Pastor Dave preach it, it's just John's motive. John, or it seems what John is highlighting of Jesus' ministry is not primarily that he's going to save you from their sins, which he does mention. It's primarily what he's saving you to. Here is living water. Be born again. Come. Be, I am the bread of life. Be satisfied. Be full. Now. Eternal life now and forever. This is eternal life, that you know the Father and the Son whom he sent. This is the purpose of creation. This is the, the end of his prayer. Um, I was not going to preach 20 through 21, uh, but I think I'm supposed to, according to Dave's introduction, because he said finish the section. No, I don't have to? Okay, good. Uh, but anyways, when next, next week when you go through this prayer, you're going to understand why he ends the doxology the way he does. This is such a big prayer it only makes sense that his doxology is like this. He can do far more abundantly than we can ask because his prayer is so big and so huge. Only, all right, God, you have to answer this because you can do more than we can request because this is as much as you can possibly request. Be filled with the fullness of God. Let's pray. Father, we pray that according to the riches of your glory, that you may grant us to be strengthened with the power through your spirit in our inner being, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we be rooted and grounded in love, that we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints of all time what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth of your love, and to know that love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.